Welcome to Books on Air, the podcast you really don't want to miss. I'm Suzanne Harris, and today you'll get a sneak peek behind the scenes at what it's like to be an author. The author will share their backstory behind their book, who or what inspires them, where their ideas come from, and who knows, you might even get an inside scoop on a new project. If you want to know more about the author and their work, we'll tell you where to find them on social media. Joining me today is Thomas Whedon, and Tom is here to talk about his book, And There Was Light, an examination of the claims of young earth creationists in the light of scriptures and proven science. Now, Tom Whedon served in the United States Air Force before receiving a Bachelor of Science degree in Electrical Engineering and pursuing postgraduate work in advanced physics. He attended Bible College, and he earned a Master of Divinity degree from a graduate seminary. Today, he's a retired engineer and a pastor who teaches Bible in a large church. First of all, Tom, welcome to Books on Air. It's such a pleasure to have you. Well, thank you. Thank you so much as well for your service, because I think that's always important to recognize when I have someone that's been in the Air Force or one of the other services, I always like to say thank you, because I think that's important. Yeah. Now, let's talk about the book. You know, it's my experience that every book has two stories. The first story is the one that the reader gets when they pick up a copy of the book and they read through the book. That's story number one. But there's always a backstory. There's always a reason that the book was written. There's always something behind the book that somebody reads. So what's the backstory behind And Then There Was Light? How did it come into being? Um, well, I had serious problems with... Um some of my professors in uh, Bible college and uh, graduate school seminary, and that um, there was this constant pressure uh, over a literal interpretation, uh, at least what they pushed as a literal interpretation of the Bible in regards to creation. Because of my background in science, uh, I uh, had some reservations about what they were teaching. Furthermore, I realize that our our church populations are going down. This has been publicized for several years, and it's been on the news, things like that. On top of that, I've noticed that young teenagers are dropping out of the churches, left and right. So we're having a problem in the churches. And um, I have started approaching some people on this issue and I've gotten mixed answers, and um, there's a there's a uh, dichotomy here, which is there are those who are taught to believe that the Bible, every word of the English Bible, I'm going to emphasize the word English, uh, every word of the English Bible is wholly inspired of God and infallible, and therefore it's true. If the Bible is telling you that the earth is flat, then that's it, it's flat, Okay. And remember, I said the English Bible, because all of my research is done off the Hebrew and the Greek Old Testament, or the Greek the Hebrew Old Testament and the Greek New Testament. And so I begin to realize there's a problem here, a fundamental misunderstandings of what God said, 
versus what people are applying. I took it upon myself about five years ago or so to just shuffle everything, gather up my stuff, and I got a big camper trailer, and I took out to the west, to the mountains of Wyoming and Colorado and Montana, and I started doing some digging and some research in geology and uh, anthropology and and uh, the ancient ruins up there of the dinosaurs and things like that. When you finally see these things and you actually see them, feel them, touch them, and get to know them, you begin to realize there's something wrong. Now, either the Bible is wrong or the people who are interpreting the Bible are wrong. Well, you know my position as a pastor and as a graduate from one of the leading seminaries here in Michigan, I had to take the position that the Bible can't be wrong, then the alternative is it's the interpretation of the Bible that's wrong. And so I started off saying, look, I'm going to solve this problem in my own heart and in my own mind by doing my own translation. And what I discovered was Unhappily, some of these modern translations are based more upon tradition than they are actual fact. So in this book that I wrote, I spent some time clarifying the interpretation of the Hebrew Old Testament from the book of of Genesis. And there I clearly see, and I label in my book in the first couple chapters, the problem. Why are they translating it? this old-fashioned way, when it really, in the Hebrew, is saying something a little bit different. And that was my problem. I says, you know what, I've got to write a book. Well, how did you do, how did you, I mean, this sounds like copious research. How long did it take you to do the research and put your thoughts together? How long did it take to write the book? Well, I'd say about three years. Uh, That included my trip out west. I spent a whole month out west by myself, and camping in the trailer, you know, and uh, eating hot dogs. <laughs> uh, I also am an amateur astronomer. I have my own large telescope, and that I put that in the back of my pickup truck. And uh, so uh, we were up at 10,000 feet in the mountains of uh, Wyoming, and there I was able to, with my telescope, look at Andromeda and many of these great things that you'd never see down here in Michigan at sea level because there's too many clouds. You know, you see these beautiful things that absolutely shock the mind when you look in the heavens. And you say, you know what? God created all that. And it's unbelievable. It's beyond our ability to perceive the beauty of his creation. So yes, I couldn't I, I come home. And, you know, I come home kind of revived. Well, and you, you know, that's one of the things that has happened is because of all the light pollution and the clouds and all the stuff. Yeah. We don't really see the sky the way ancient people saw the sky. Exactly. So we don't really see what they saw. And so that's got to influence what's going on. I noticed oh, yeah. that, that one of the chapters of your book is entitled An Examination of Ancient Cosmologies. Yeah. I thought that was interesting that you included that. Well, you have to. They saw things that we don't see. 
and they come up with different opinions in, in what we come up with. Now, I don't think they were correct in much of their cosmology, but that's what they saw, and that's how they interpreted it. How did you get yeah. access? You have some artifacts and some ancient documents of your own, but how did you get access to the documents that you used for research? Did you just use the <laughs> Internet, or did you act physically go, or how did you do your research? Uh, I did use the Internet uh, extensively, but I also uh, have uh, a large library. I've got 3,000 books right here in my own den, and then downstairs in the basement, I've got another thousand. Oh my goodness! Um, <laughs> You're the Library of Congress. <laughs> <laughs> I don't read them all. Uh, I mean, I use a lot of them. Are not books meant to be read from cover to cover? They're reference books. Okay, like you're, you know, they're they're when you want to dig into things and do research. And of course, because my seminary training included training in the ancient Hebrew language and the ancient Greek language, I was I have. My, I have, uh, you know, I've got uh, um, Bibles written only in Hebrew. They were old, but they're still adequate. And I've got some Greek, uh, I think my oldest Greek Bible is like uh, 200 years old. So there you go. <laughs> I, but I do study, you know, some of the, the interesting things. The very first verse in Genesis, in the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Good sentence. But the problem is the translators added a word that doesn't exist in the original. In the beginning, the word the is not there. The word the is a demonstrative. It's a, like the word that or there or the. So it's, a, it's pointing specifically to a situation. It's been provided by the English translators by, because of tradition, but the word the does not exist. It doesn't exist in the Hebrew Old Testament. It doesn't exist in the Greek uh, Old Testament, known as the Septuagint, and it doesn't uh, uh, appear in our New Testament Greek, okay? It's just not there. It, it's, uh, so it's not saying in the beginning, it's saying in a beginning, or if you read it in the Jewish Bible, it says when God began to create the heavens and the earth. And the Jewish Bible is completely different than the English Bible. So there you go. Wow. I have I have to dig into this stuff. That was my chore. So I spent three years digging and writing and translating. It sounds like the, the bibliography that you have in the book is a goldmine of information yeah, for an individual. Is. I've referred to every one of those. I read. I didn't read every one of those books cover to cover, but I read out of every one of those books in the bibliography, yes. Who do you think your target audience is for this book, Tom? Christians. Bible-believing Christians, church members, and also I had an opportunity to present my uh, my book and my my uh, uh, research to other groups, not a, just a few groups. And in one case, um, a mother came up to me. I was, I was selling these books because uh, I had a collection of them. I needed to get rid of them. I needed to sell them, so I was selling them. At, well, during I was this this talk and this presentation, and this woman was kind of oh, what do you say, kind of tearful, you know, and she says, you know, my son is a, he was a, an adult, he was an agnostic, and he, she said, even though he was raised in the church, he's an agnostic, he doesn't believe the Bible or anything like that. He says she was all excited, so she said. 
but he bought a copy of your book and he read it. So it's kind of had an effect there, you know, in some way that that uh, the guy was able to see that there's another viewpoint opposite of what he might have been taught in Sunday school for years and chose not to believe. And so I was get I had some reaffirmations of some of these uh, mm, you know people referring uh, letting me know that hey they really appreciated it because there is a problem in some churches where they're dogmatic and it says you will believe what we tell you to believe or else and my argument is uh uh-uh. I don't <laughs> you don't you don't talk to me that in my book remember I mentioned the fact that uh, Back when I was a young fella in 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 church, I remember the pastor standing up there and saying that man would never go into space because God says so, you know. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, I plan I was my plan at the time was to sign up for University of Michigan in the School of Aeronautical Engineering. I was kind of bewildered. Well, how can a, a young teenager like me, a Christian fella, go to college and study things that the pastor says can't happen? Well, of course, the pastor was wrong. And, you know, man did go into space a few years later after. So, the, you know, this kind of stuff, I remember my grandpa telling me that uh, his pastor, when he was a young kid, said the man would never fly. Well, guess what? He did. <laughs> you know, so this kind of stuff propagates among too many churches to this day. And, um, you know. Well, and if somebody, if somebody came up with this, we're all children of God. So yeah. how could, if I come up with space travel or if I come up with, if I'm the Wright brothers and I come up with mm-hmm. how to fly, then that can't be wrong. Right. Correct. I mean, I remember there was a a quote that I I have right here. It says, the universe and all that is in it is the work of God, and the Bible is the word of God. It is not logical for the works of God to be a contradiction to the word of God. And I thought that was quite interesting. And I think you talked about the fact that we're losing church members Yes. Do you think that a book like yours, maybe your book in particular, would be a way, if people read this book, for them to believe slightly differently and feel like they could come back to a church that was more relevant for them? Am I off base? Well, yes. Uh, some people will use the argument uh, that the, the uh, they don't they don't believe in God anymore, they don't read the Bible, or they don't want anything to do with the Bible, anything like that, because they believe it's all lies and stories. And uh, they they believe this because of the contradictions they've heard, and the movement among uh, many pastors and church leaders that uh, that uh, uh, downplay the, the role of science in life, in our lives, and things like that, and then come up with uh, illogical arguments saying, well, you know, 4,000 years ago, or we had a universal flood that flooded the entire planet Earth, and, uh, uh, you know, it, it's a little common sense that some people walk away and say, well, these these preachers that say these things are foolish, and uh, all it's doing is just, uh, it's actually helping Satan devour the church, destroy the church. 
people are leaving the church because not all the churches, by the way. I mean, we have some good churches. The church where I teach at right now is very good on this. They're faithful to the Word of God, but at the same time, they are not out there pursuing a philosophy that contradicts what we know to be true about the creation of the universe and, uh, you know, the the moon and the stars and the sun and things like that. You know, because... These things don't really contradict the Bible. It's just man's interpretation that contradicts, you know. So, Would you like to share part of the book with our listeners? Yeah, I'm re- I'm prepared to read a piece of it, yes. Go ahead, please. Well, I, uh, I want to read this, some modified introduction. This is... And I start off here, it says, I want to address my book to all Bible believers who hold the creation scenario of Bishop Usher, an Irish bishop of the Anglican Church of the 16th century, and to those who believe that his conclusions concerning the recent date of the creation of the earth and universe, which is taught in the literal understanding of the words in the book of Genesis, is to be accepted as a truth. In recent decades, a division has intensified among the churches over this issue. There are some that believe, with Bishop Usher, that the creation occurred about 6,000 years ago. Or, to put it more exactly, Bishop Usher claimed that it all happened on October 23rd, Sunday morning at 9 a.m., 4004 B.C. Now, we can refer to these people as what we call young earth creationists. Usher's date of creation has been accepted by many Christians for the last 300 years since most every edition of the King James Bible has printed Bishop Usher's chronology in the margins of the Bible beginning in 1701 A.D. However, in our day, there's a growing number of Bible believers who have accepted the overwhelming volume of evidence and data and facts that irrefutably demonstrates that the universe and all that is in it was created a very, very long time ago perhaps going back billions of years. Now, please don't misunderstand my intent. If God had wanted to, he could have created the universe and all that is in it in about six seconds, six days, six years, or six million years. However, the evidence shows that God took his time and he does not owe us an explanation. In this book, I plan to shed light on this subject in some detail that will helpfully be easy to understand and yet conclusive with the evidence. So let's begin, let there be light. When we speak to an individual about the things of God or truths taught in the Bible, we too often have to confront the loud voices crying out that all must believe in a 6,000-year-old creation because God says so. This ongoing friction causes the inquirer to turn away from Scripture and all to teach it because he knows he cannot accept a 6,000-year-old creation of the universe and still remain faithful to his uh, common understanding of the world around him. How many souls have been turned away from Christ because they were taught that they must believe in a young earth in order to be a true believer? You can't demand that an individual throw out his brains just to become a believer in Christ. I personally know some individuals who gave up on believing the Bible because some well-meaning Christians told them that they must believe everything the Bible literally says, principally a six-day, 144-hour creation of everything that exists about 6,000 years ago. 
Biblical interpretation has many times been violated when interpreting Genesis, chapters 1 through 11. Let me ask the reader this simple question. How can one share the message of God as found in the Bible when he or she must defend the false teaching of creation in 4004 B.C., as Bishop Usher claimed? The idea is ludicrous, leading to ridicule and laughter because of the absurdity of the claim. Centuries ago, when the world was not brought up in the knowledge of science, as it is today, a claim of instant creation might not have sounded so absurd because the population believed in daily miracles and spirit-possessed rocks and trees and so forth. Moses wrote the first book of the Bible to an audience that knew nothing about the physical nature of the universe. The ancients believed that the earth was flat and fixed, that is, it didn't move. But if you read 1 Samuel 2, verse 8, 1 Chronicles 16, verse 30, Psalm 93, verse 1, Psalm 104, verse 5. For biblical evidence, if you believe in a literal word-for-word interpretation then you uh, of these verses, then you are a fixed earther. In other words, you believe that the earth doesn't move. But today we know the earth does move. In fact, it moves at around 67,000 miles per hour around the sun. Does this mean that God lied and the Bible has errors in it? No, not if we realize that God was speaking to a very primitive people, primitive by our modern scientific standards. He was merely speaking to them according to their intellectual understandings of the heavens and the earth. So therefore, the Bible speaks the truth according to the audience in whom it was written. I believe in the verbal plenary inspiration of Scripture, commonly known as the Holy Bible. These words, verbal plenary inspiration, mean that all the words and every word of the Bible in its original language as written, is totally ordained of God, and was written to an ancient people of an ancient culture in a setting that they could understand. I believe that God transmitted the scriptures through chosen agents, rather apostles, prophets, kings, or men of God-pleasing character. Although errors in the written transmission of the scriptures have occurred throughout the centuries, God's holy word has been preserved to better than one part in 10,000. It's an accuracy unreviled by any other piece of ancient literature, and no doctrine of Scripture has been lost or compromised. However, in every case, the Scriptures were spoken or written in a common language of the day, and in a culture totally foreign to us of the 21st century. Let it be added that men of the 21st century may find it difficult to fully understand the historical, social, political, geographical, scientific, and religious environment of those days, as these things were understood by the people of the Old and New Testament. When reading the scriptures, it becomes clear that much of it contains the history of God's people and their struggles. The Bible is a major treatise concerning the nature and character of the true and only God, the creator of the universe. And we can also add that the Bible is actually a collection of historical and theological books written to his people over many centuries. I believe it is safe to say that the Bible is not and was never intended to be a science textbook, despite what some may have considered scientific truth, such as a flat earth, as was held by the Church for thousands of years, based upon a common interpretation of Scripture. Another example of the Bible being understood as a science text was a Church's teaching that the heavens, including the sun, revolved around the earth. This teaching was based on their faulty interpretation of scriptures. Galileo was put under house arrest for the last years of his life because he taught that the earth and other planets revolved around the sun. For a time, he was under the sentence of death if he did not, teach teaching, if he did not stop teaching this so-called heresy. 
He relented in the face of the threats of excommunication from the church. It seems like he didn't like the idea of going to hell, even though he knew that the earth revolved around the sun. Before his death, Galileo wrote a pamphlet outlining the truth of the motion of the heavenly bodies, which was published upon his death. Let me add this thought. We should never be upset about the Bible not being what it never claimed to be. The Bible does not claim to teach science. Don't go to the Bible seeking scientific axioms. Be satisfied with this simple truth. God created it all in his time, in his way, according to his purpose, and uses his methods. Period. Finally, the Bible does not provide an answer for all a man's questions. Ask yourself this important question. Why did God author the first chapters of Genesis? Was it to describe how he made everything? Or was it to proclaim that he, the only true God, was the creator of all that exists? The fact is that God is the creator of all that exists, and that's my basis of my argument for those who suppose God was describing the methods of creation and not the fact of creation, period. Wow. Fascinating book. Fascinating ideas. I know that our listeners want to know where they can find it, so let me tell them. You can find it on Amazon. Now, here's what you do. I'm sure that there's someone out there who's never used Amazon before. It's very simple. All you have to do in the browser at the top of your computer page is type in the words w or the the letters www dot and then spell out the word Amazon, A M A Z O N, and then put a dot and then the the letters C O M. Click and it brings you right to the Amazon homepage. Now, when you get there, you'll see a really long search box. In that long rectangular, it's sort of a light gray. Type in the following title. You can shorten it. And then there was light. There is more, an examination of the claims of young earth creationists in the light of scriptures and proven science. But if you just type in, and there was light, T-H-E-R-E, was light by Thomas, T-H-O-M-A-S, C, period, Weeden, W-E-E-D-E-N, click on it. The book will come right up in the upper right-hand corner of the representation of the cover. You see two words. It says, look inside. If you click on those two words, then the book opens electronically. And I always kind of do air quotes to myself because it opens, but it's an electronic version of opening. There's a really, really nice excerpt that you can read for yourself right there at the very beginning of the book. There's also a place on the same page where you can purchase the book. Now, Tom, is it available in some other places? Um, the other places, uh, uh, Discount Bible in uh, in Massachusetts, uh, they sell um, retail over the you know mail. Um, I don't know of any bookstores. Their Christian bookstores have kind of disappeared, so there really isn't. Unless you go to something like Borders or something and order it. Okay. So if they gave the title, probably the title and the author at Borders, they, they would order it. Or probably oh, Barnes yes. & Noble as well. Oh, Barnes & Noble and Borders and so forth, yes. And okay. Books a Million, yes. They would have it. They can get it to you very quick. Okay, perfect. Um, now, do you have a Facebook author page? 
No, I don't. I didn't know anything at all about it. I think you have plans to maybe put one under construction about the book. Is that right? I think uh, I just made a note here based on what you told me earlier, and I'm thinking maybe I should do that. Let's leave our listeners with your final thoughts about the book. Now, this is a fascinating book that will, I'm sure, inspire lots and lots of discussion. When the reader finishes the book, and they either electronically or physically close that back cover for the final time, what do you really want them to take away from your book? What's your bottom line message? Well, my bottom line message is the the book, I believe, uh, and I'm based upon my work in the original languages as well as in the theology of the original, uh, the, the, our Bible that we use today in America is the Word of God. The Bible, is a, as it's created anywhere, is definitely the Word of a Creator God. Uh, it, it, the proofs are just irrefutable. I mean, I could go on for hours just discussing. I've taught the history of the Bible seven, eight, or nine times in various churches, and it's just mind-boggling when you really get into the evidence. So, but my key point that I want them to take away is that sometimes uh, you find a certain level of ignorance or some maybe religious ignorance or something like that. I don't know. I can't put a finger on it, but uh, people who uh, who uh, want to insist on a particular way or a particular idea in interpreting the Bible, uh, and uh, uh, which causes confusion. And my problem there is don't um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, y- you know. Um, when when you see this happening or when this is happening it's just it's uh, it's the powers of the underworld destroying the faith of the christians and that's what bothers me so much there's a fella in kentucky who's just pushing this false narrative that destroys it either destroys the faith of some christians or it forces them to believe in some other errors and I just, uh, I, I see the destruction of it, because I, as a pastor, as a teacher, I see people turning away from the Word of God. And the Word of God can be trusted, but you've got to, I don't know what to say, I, I'm not sure, clear way of saying this, is, is, a, is it, um, <laughs> you know, read your Bible. <laughs> I think that's important. pretty clear. <laughs> yeah. I think that's pretty it's, clear. And yeah, I th- it's uh, you. You got some. You, you know, uh, Hollywood has always made fun of the of Christianity, and it still does to this day. Uh, you know, as far as Hollywood is concerned, Christians are idiots, and pastors are dumbbells, and things like that. And uh, I, I can understand there's a certain amount of that that's true. And you have some some in the in the, under the name of religion, there's a lot of evil in this world a lot of evil it's it shocks me and it's depressing but it's the plan there's a supernatural plan out there that things are i don't i don't know it's just uh, mind-boggling but there's a there's an effort by 
unknown forces to destroy the faith of the believer. And my argument here in this book is I don't want you to lose faith in the Bible. I want you to understand what the Bible actually is saying, not what some other people are trying to tell you it says. Well, I think that your your book will definitely inspire discussion and inspire some thought. Thank you so very so. much, Tom, for being our guest today on Books on Air. Oh, well, thank you. Now, remember, you can find And Then and There Was Light by Thomas C. Whedon, W-E-E-D-E-N, on Amazon. I'm Suzanne Harris, and I hope that you'll join me on the next Books on Air podcast. Remember, you never know who's going to be here, and you never know what we're going to talk about. Thank you so much for listening.